Cal Cates. And I am Kathy Ryan. Welcome to another episode of Interdisciplinary, the Heal Well Healthcare Podcast. In this podcast, massage therapy educators, practitioners, and positive deviants, Kathy Ryan and me, Cal Cates, will use research, science, experience, and humor to explore the broad landscape of what it means to be a human who cares for other humans. You'll always learn something, you'll always laugh, and you'll come away better informed and with real things you can do in your own community and practice to create a more compassionate and collaborative system of care for all of the humans on the planet. Be sure to like us and share us and give us the stars and all the things. Tell your pets and your parents to come and listen to the show and uh, share it all over the place. Leave us a review and uh, thanks for listening. Here we are, the moment you've all been waiting for, our weekly pun. And I have a, a special pronoun related pun this week um, in honor of our guests. Why did the non-binary prospectors head west? Because there's gold in them there hills. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome. Uh, so, Kathy, what's happening in British Columbia? Um, well, it's it's still COVID, and some people are getting vaccinated, and some are not, and uh, we're still working. Uh, our numbers have started to stabilize a bit. They were escalating quite significantly there for a while. So our numbers are starting to stabilize a little bit, but uh, everybody still be careful out there. That's pretty much where we're, we are at. Cal? Yeah, I almost feel like we could just sort of replay this like 60 second section <laughs> from the last like, three months. Like, yes, it's getting better, but it's only going to get better if you keep being careful. Uh, we have um, one of the vaccines has been uh, approved for use in 12 to 16 year olds here. And um we're seeing the same uh, resistance from parents and parents saying, you know, I'm not going to give my kid that vaccine. And I think, you know, I'm really glad that we're, we're sort of already working on creative solutions to educate and encourage people to get vaccinated. And I hope that that uh, takes hold with kids as well. But, um, you know, schools are looking like they're going to open in the fall and kids are going to go back live. I think some schools are offering still a hybrid version, but I think it's going to be uh the humans are what's going to ruin it for us all. If, uh, if, if that's a thing that could happen, uh, that's, we're so good at that. So we'll just have to see what the humans decide to do in the next couple of months. Well, and, and again, you know, as we've been saying all along to take this seriously and, you know, choice out there around vac vaccines, whether, whether you want to or, or not, but at the very least wear a mask, wash your hands and keep your distance. Amen. Don't, don't have maskless rodeos. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, I was at a chamber event, uh, still virtual this morning. And uh, one of the women there was from an organization, uh, a company here called Top Golf. that um, you it's virtual, you go to it's like lots of it's like a driving range, basically, but they have like targets and you can like play for prizes and whatever. And it's sort of an outdoor business, but they just got approved to allow gatherings of 250 people. And, you know, the whole, like everybody on the call cheered. And I was like, Oh, that's such a bad idea. And she's like, well, we're outside. And I'm like, still a bad idea. Um, but you know, everybody's excited to get back to what we love to call normal, which I, <laughs> it wasn't normal before, but what we were doing before. So. Yes. Yeah. There we okay. are. There, there right. we are. Let's talk about other stuff. Let's definitely talk about some other stuff. I had the the great pleasure of uh, catching um, 
a presentation um, that the, our guests today delivered at the Massage Therapy of Manitoba, uh, the Massage Therapy Association of Manitoba had a conference a while back. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to our fancy guests so they can let everybody know who they are and uh, why they're so fancy and, and why we wanted them to come on the podcast to tell us awesome things. Woo-hoo! Take it away. No big build up there at all. <laughs> Um, We're going to introduce ourselves personally first and then why we uh, do this work together. So my name is Kaylin Falk. I am a spiritual director and I also am a sessional lecturer at University of Winnipeg. Uh, One of the the things that has shaped me a lot as a human are the humans that I live with. Uh, I am a parent to two adult children. One is autistic and functionally nonverbal and one is non-binary uh, femme. Uh, my name is Ro. Uh, I'm a 31-year-old trans man. I currently work as a cannabis consultant. And about seven years ago, I met Kaylin through her son, uh, who, Noah, who has autism, uh, working in an after-school program with him. Soon after, met Kaylin, um, started a friendship, uh, then we started Get Your Joey, uh, which is a business that helps trans men, trans men and trans masculine folks with, uh, with packing needs. We, uh, we created a packing pouch together, uh, basically problem solving this, this need, uh, in the community. And we've been doing that for six years together. Uh, we employ trans people, uh, we pay them fair wages and, it's been really fun and has allowed us to connect with a lot of people just like y'all. And uh, yeah, that's so, who we are. <laughs> so we're committed to making this one resource. Uh, and then we have some other things on our website as well. But we also really want to make sure that we are um, providing some communication and education for people, both as allies, because that's how I identify myself, and for the population themselves so that there's... Um, we're just thinking pragmatically about support. That's a really specific interest of ours of not just, you know, you go and we support you, but what are the practical things that we can do to show support? Uh, So if it's making a pouch for your needs, we will do that. Um, Anything that we can do to make sure that people feel seen and that they feel celebrated. So we want to move past tolerance or awareness into um, affirmation and celebration. Wow. And can you, uh, can you unpack packing a little bit? Because I think even people in the trans community, I think don't know what that is. And I'm sure that some of our listeners are going, wait, trans people pack differently. Um, why don't they just get like, you know, duffel bags or whatever. Um, so tell us, tell us what packing is. Uh, you know, that's not our main topic today, but I'm sure our listeners are like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Sure. So um, some trans people, trans Transmasculine folks uh, specifically, uh, they might be experiencing some dysphoria or some discomfort with uh, the bottom half of their body. Um, and packing is a way for these these guys or these folks to uh, fill out their boxers in a more natural way, to feel comfortable, uh, and sometimes really to provide safety to that person uh, by using a silicone prosthetic uh, of a penis 
you know, variety of sizes. And uh, we provide the pouch or the, the mechanism that will uh, allow it to stay attached to your boxers, no matter what. And nobody wants their prosthetic falling to the ground. So no mistakes, no, nothing like that. (laughs) And it really just makes you feel secure and comfortable. This is a very like uh, specific personal need that we are fitting that not every trans man or every trans masculine person chooses to do, but if they do, uh, we're there for you. And we've, we've come up with a, a solution, a pragmatic solution to help you pack. Yeah. We want to be careful when we talk about it is that there's no expectation that everyone needs to. It's really, if this makes your day better, then, uh, then we want to make it easy and we want to make it fun to do so that you feel locked and loaded. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think I, I, I love your, your thing about um, sort of celebrating and affirming because I feel like mm-hmm. particularly with issues that are so, I, I guess, blatantly about or at least can be perceived as about sex, like packing, I think that people who are allies and for whom dysphoria with your body is such a foreign concept, it's easy to stop at awareness. And we always invite people on the show. So think for a minute about what would inspire you to wear a prosthetic and that if you had a secure prosthetic, like you guys are describing and, and your pouches look amazing. I was looking at your website and, and uh, <laughs> I want to talk to your seamster uh, about how that all happens, but that people rig things up that when you leave the house, it sort of maybe looks like you wanted to, but then as soon as you start to walk or as soon as like anything happens, and then it actually winds up making you more nervous and more uncomfortable and, mm-hmm. It's such an incredible service to be able to recognize what people feel like they need to be at home in their bodies and that it's, this is social justice. It is. <laughs> this, is how, this is how the product even started is um, I had started packing very occasionally and was using uh, like a sock, a sock version. Uh, a lot of trans people know how to DIY uh, things we need. And so I was using an old sock as a pouch with a and, hole in it. Yeah. And, and since I started living with Kaylin uh, and the family and, you know, I was doing laundry and Kaylin was just like, what is this sock with a hole in it? <laughs> and I was just like, that's for packing. Like, don't worry about it. And then came the realization that like, I could have better than that or that like I could have something that makes me feel even more confident and comfortable with my packing. And uh, through the problem solving of that, we came out with, with the Joey itself. And so um, it's a very personal thing. It has nothing to do with sex. You know, often these silicone packers are, they are the soft form of the man, uh, uh, you know, of, of this, private area. And so it's very much personal. It's just about comfort um, and feeling secure. So, but it really is. So when we started it, I packed for a day just to see what that felt like. And I really noticed this isn't just a superficial thing. This changes my gait. It changes my posture. It changes the way that I inhabit the world. And so it's not like um, this isn't the superficial fluff. This is really inherent to someone's identity and someone's feeling of, of being embodied in the way that they want to be embodied. So I think what Ro was saying about uh, trans and non-binary people being so DIY 
And I think that that speaks of the resilience of the community. But I also think, and this is one of the reasons why um, we wanted to talk about the presentation we did at the Massage Association was so many times there's a bunch of allies who are like, you know, you be you and we'll affirm you. But the, the, the labor is all done by the trans community and non-binary. They have to say, here are the needs and here's how we're figuring it out. Here's how we um, go into a business and decide whether or not it feels like a safe place. And so we wanted to say both in our business, but also how can you in your own organization not have, like, why don't you pave the path so that you're sending all of these signals of you are safe here. We've thought about your needs and we've met those needs instead of having um, people who are already marginalized have to voice that or have to figure it out themselves. So an important part of social justice is um, is doing some of the labor. Educating yourself yeah. because there's tons of resources, even firsthand accounts from trans people on YouTube if you really want to to hear firsthand accounts that have been you know previously recorded when that person felt safe to share it. Uh, often we are asked to be the educators on the spot all the time to share our experiences. And sometimes that's awesome and fun. And sometimes it's laboring and not what you want to have to do. Yeah. And downright traumatic. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes too, there's that expectation coming from folks that, one individual is speaking for an entire community of individuals. You know, it would be like, it'd be like someone coming to me and having an expectation that I speak for all lesbians, which of course I don't, you know, so similar kind of pressure about, look, I'm not speaking for everybody. I can speak about what my personal journey or my experience has been, you mm -hmm. know, but here are some things that would be helpful for you to know perhaps. Yeah, totally. So when you're talking with uh, healthcare providers or just people in the community, what are the what kind of questions do you get, and um, how do you respond? Because I know that there, I mean, there are questions that you're like, oh man, we're still people are still wondering about this. Uh, like, tell us the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, where do we start? <laughs> um, do you have a story to start with? I mean, I have I have good examples that are coming to mind first. Great. Um, for example, when I was uh, going to get my hysterectomy, um, I was having to go into you know go meet the surgeon one on one and talk about parts of the body in very scientific terms that were gonna be triggering no matter what. And I felt like the surgeon did have an understanding that like a trans man is coming for a hysterectomy. Like she knew that before I got there, we talked about it before we even started talking about it. Like she was like, we're going to talk about some stuff. I'm going to be using scientific terms. I just want you to know that we're just talking about this stuff. We're not, I'm not, you know, she made it very clear that yes, I know this is going to be uncomfortable. Let's just, talk about what the surgery is and kind of move on from that and kind of uh, go into some other conversation. 
another thing I really appreciated was there was two hospitals that I could have had the surgery done at, and one was a women's hospital. And without even me asking, I was already put into the other hospital for the <laughs> surgery, um, which was awesome. And uh, even in the waiting room, it was interesting being one of the, like the only man in that waiting room. And uh, they made me feel safe. It was, it was as well, it went as well as I could have expected it to go. But um, there are going to be times like that where you're met with an uncomfortable situation and you just have to kind of, you know, hope that these people have educated themselves a little bit to, to, you know, pick up on these things without you even having to say it. And hopefully you have it within yourself to speak up for yourself. Um, if they're not picking up these cues, um, that's a, it was a good example, but it was, you know, it was, uh, it, it was, it could have went left at any time. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I can think of an example of in my daily life, uh, one thing that I find really difficult is, um, so when I'm out with my adult son, he's six foot three and he's got a very deep voice uh, and he needs support in the bathroom. And so when we're out in public, especially after a movie or something that where we've had a lot of pop <laughs> and we will have to pee because it has been two and a half hours. Um, the amount of, I don't quite know what it is, uh, but for me to give myself permission to break the rules and take him into the women's washroom with me is a lot of effort. And I know some people have a lot more fire to them maybe, and they're like, oh, I'm gonna go and get my needs. But I feel like I know the rules and I'm, I have a good reason, but I'm still, I'm gonna be here. And I know there was one time when we saw a movie and you know, like you can hear everyone peeing, right? And then Noah, my son goes, uh, happy, which means he's not happy. This booming voice says happy. And you could hear the tinkle stop, right? There was a, a collective clench <laughs> in the bathroom. I was like, it's okay. He's with me. Um, and then everyone's fine. And then once they see him, they're like, oh, okay, we've got context. We understand. But it still feels like what I really want to do is I'm managing this man I want to make sure his needs are met. I want to be invisible. Like I just want to, I just want to pee without having it be a production and get on with the rest of our day. But those moments where it becomes a big production makes it feel like it's hardly even worth going out. And that's actually when we met Roe. One of the great things about Roe is that he can take Noah to the men's bathroom. So we could go together to a movie and automatically it's like, yeah, the two guys go in, but you know that, uh, gender neutral bathrooms and the need for them, there's lots of different reasons. Uh, we've partnered with other organizations too. There's also um, a lot of senior couples where one person has a cognitive um, deficit and they wanna go in with their spouse. And uh, for the heteros, that's someone of another gender. And uh, we wanna make sure that the, those are things that where the primary focus is on respect and ease. So you don't have to think about it. You just know, here's a bathroom that's meant for me. Um, and so that's an example. I think I am just an ally, but I have some exposure to those times where it's like, oh, nobody was thinking about this situation and I will have to make it okay. And I will have to be comfortable in it. Um, and so that just, you know, again, it's not a big thing, but all of these small things add up to a more exhausting day. 
Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I feel like that that's one of the, there's so much sort of intersectionality as yeah. we talk about all these different things. And I, I, I feel like this is such a huge piece of what has to happen globally, certainly, and definitely in healthcare, but just, it's not just this one group who right. live better lives. If we make this adjustment, that's actually quite small. And I know that the plumbing of, you know, gender neutral bathrooms, and if we're going to do one holers and whatever, but also culturally, can we just get over the whole bathroom experience? And, totally. you know, <laughs> so it's like, how do we address the pressing issue of like needing separate rooms or whatever it is to make people comfortable while also going upstream and saying like, so this is where we all go to do a superhuman like thing that we all, well, it's not superhuman, it's normal human. Um, <laughs> and can we just take the sex and the whatever it is out of part of us being naked so that we can void our bladders or empty our colons? Like, I don't, I don't know how those two got conflated, but um, it makes it difficult. Yeah. You go to Folk Fest and there's just a lineup of porta potties and a big line of people. Even, yeah. even more normal than that, you go to any gay bar if you've gone to a gay bar, totally you know that there's not genders. You can go into any bathroom and it doesn't matter. And usually that's where half the fun is happening. You're like, right. why is there a party in the bathroom? It's lit. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> but, you know, when, when I was in university at the University of Winnipeg, we were starting an initiative for gender neutral washrooms and the most pragmatic way to do it for us was to just re-sign or put new signs up on existing one-stall bathrooms and to put a bit of education in those washrooms about why this, the sign had been changed and what it would take to maintain it as a positive space. And that was, you know, a little thing that made a huge difference to a lot of folks uh, at the university and, and, and they still exist. So there's even more gender neutral washrooms there than when we started. So it's but not that, that a, tough. But that is actually true because uh, the wheelchair accessible bathrooms and the gender neutral bathrooms are not social spaces and the other ones are. And so that's interesting that there's, it's still a place of that's where you go and you hang out and you have more private conversations or whatever. And, and even that is, um, yeah, we still haven't gotten there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have another example, but uh, it's an example from Roe. Do you mind if I talk about something that I've noticed with you? I don't know. Yes, there's no, we're not psychic, which is unfortunate. No, that's, it's good to know that about yourselves. Yeah, it is true. <laughs> um, one thing that I've noticed is, so both of us are quite out as, um, I make a point of um, either wearing a pin uh, that, or talking about my family that says, I celebrate these non-binary and trans people and neurodivergent people in my life. And that has a lot of people then, and so does my husband. My husband always wears a little lapel pin with the trans flag on it. Uh, and he goes into spaces that as a, as a white uh, straight man, he wouldn't usually get because people come up to him and me on breaks and say, hey, my kid is also trans or I didn't know we were allowed to talk about um, people that aren't fitting into the norms in just a typical training or a typical class. And that has been really great. One thing I've noticed is when Roe is out, there seems to be a lot of people, especially parents, coming to Roe and saying, my kid is trans. And what I have noticed is 
that he is fantastic with them. And what I hear is that they are wanting to get a little report card from him that they are a good ally and um, and can he mentor their children? <laughs> and it's like yes. one of those things of like, can I be out? But uh, to your point of not being a representative for everyone, can it just be that he is a really good part of the team at work and that he um, has management potential rather than is he the caregiver for your feelings as a parent or is he the fount of education? Like he's actually not getting paid to educate people at the time. Does that feel fair that I'm. This is, this is something that's coming up and I'm sure I'm not alone. Like because I work for a big company and you know, big companies love policies. They're, they're working on an inclusivity policy uh, yeah. and uh, you know, they know I'm the only trans person I know of that works for the company. And uh, in a way, you know, I'd love to be asked about it. And I was asked about it, but I was asked about it so informally that there was no way for me to give a real answer. And, and I wasn't going to be paid for my energy or time. It was just like, let's check in with this person make sure we don't miss anything, you know? So we, so when we do announce a policy, we can kind of say our bases are covered. Um, But he wasn't invited to the table. It was a side conversation. And that conversation, what I noticed is you left with holding a bunch of people's stories and a bunch of people's, am I doing a good enough job as a parent when really they should have left with, um, Hey, there's someone that we should invite into this committee to talk about this. Um, which would have been great for your resume and it would have been putting you um, you just were doing extra work. Yeah. Well, and I think you make a good point about, I mean, this is one of the things that we've been struggling in trying to educate uh, people about and that I'm sure we've made our own mistakes with that you would be the paid person on that committee because like it or not, you will be educating the non-trans committee members and It is sort of this, you know, we've been talking a bunch about um, what is reallocation of wealth and that it's not actually that I go in your bank account and take your money. It's I'm actually going to pay this person of color, this trans person, this whomever to educate if this person is willing to participate, to elevate my whole organization. And that this is one of the many ways that we can reallocate wealth and resources that haven't been in historically. But we we don't want the other people who are straight to get bent out of shape because they're volunteering for this committee. And <laughs> there's just such a lack of understanding that like, it's not like, I don't know. It's not like I got a bad haircut and somebody made fun of me for a couple of weeks. Like my whole life has been different. Yeah. And I, and I might be someone who's willing to share those experiences so that other people don't suffer those harms, but it didn't come to me for free. So it shouldn't come to you for free either. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I think putting your money where your mouth is, is important because of course I would love to see more companies have inclusivity policies, but if the means to getting them doesn't include, you know, people on that are the outliers, then what are you doing here? You're just kind of painting a pretty picture and hoping people follow along with it. 
Um, well, and again, if someone is making that report and someone is sitting on that committee and using that experience of, I helped develop this and I checked the boxes, I made sure we were covered by talking to a trans person. But then that person's career is advancing instead of saying, and so I don't want to at all say like, I think it's great that they at least have an awareness. Yeah. Is it great that they're creating a policy? Yes. Is it great that they are asking and make, keeping an eye out? Yes, that's all great. And then the one more step is, and now you're kind of using someone's personal lived experience, as you said, Cal, that that has been paid. Um, and But it, it is fundamentally advancing your career and not the other person's career. And so that's just a little bit dicey. I've just noticed that he's coming home with lots of stories of parents and he's become a caregiver, which he can do. And it's it, that's because his skill, we, we, but that's we not take it on whether you want to or not. Yeah, absolutely. Because overall, you want the experiences of other people to be better than yours were. Like specifically, when I think about youth, or when I go talk to youth, I'm willing to bear it all because yeah. I know that it's needed to 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 change the needle for the next generation. And they're already great. They're already They're miles ahead of, <laughs> of anyone I, you know, I know who's, you know, my age, 30 or older. We're just, we didn't, we didn't have the same culture that, that the, the youth is building with their social media and everything else. And uh, it is because beautiful. the youth are looking and they're seeing faces like yours and they're hearing your stories of, they have a template where you didn't really have that. And if there's some, if, if Roe hears that there is a little trans person in the world that needs support, he's of course going to say, you know, give me a call. I will meet with you because that's who Roe is. Um, and that's wonderful. And there's just another dynamic there. So I don't want to discredit any of that, but I just want to point out that that's, again, just where's the, the point of labor focused? Yeah, and I think and that's a really good point. Uh, you know, a, a personal decision to to interact with another human that could yeah. benefit from the experience that you have is one thing. But when you have corporations who are creating policy without inviting anyone to the table who has lived that experience and then putting the policy together and then giving it to one person who has lived that experience to put the rubber stamp on it, there, we did due diligence. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this is, that has to stop. Yeah, because whether they're doing it intentionally or by matter of ignorance, uh, it's still not quite good enough. And it's not just because they can meet a standard to put maybe like a rainbow sticker on their door <laughs> because they're a part of, you know, their province's LGBT commerce committee. That's not quite good enough. That doesn't scream inclusivity to me um but but at least they're asking you know it's like it, at least they're trying but I, I would love to see people being being paid for their lived experience and lived knowledge because uh you just don't know what a person's been through and if you go digging up things uh for example when, when people come to me and say they have a trans child uh, it's immediately going to make me think about my relationship with my parents and how I felt when I came out and all the feelings of that. And so, and you don't know, they don't know what I've been through with that or anything like that. And so, and they don't know if, 
Roe has just come to work and that's the first interaction he's had. Then he has to sit on that for an eight hour shift. Right. When it's just like, let me live. Let me just have a, like a normal, boring day at work. <laughs> and we'll call it even, you know? Actually, that's a segue too into one of the reasons why we wanted to put together the um, presentation about the business of, because now trans people who've been so overlooked in the past are now kind of the new hot thing. And um, a friend of mine, her uh, her kid was like, I'm starting out with uh, doing this esthetician um, project. And when I see that trans women are an untapped market, and so I'm going to advertise for them. And I'm, you know, anybody is a good body and like, I'm all for it. And I was like, oh, that's great. And also before you start mining this new uh, revenue, <laughs> Those are people like, are you one of those people that says, I'm not racist, I don't even see color, the equivalent? Yeah. Or like, have you actually, do you know what um, what might be involved? Have you become actually trans-informed? So just what Ro said of like, yes, you can put a rainbow flag on your window. And then it's like, now I'm I'm woke and I've got that. But do you know the obligation that you have signed on for then of you know do your forms have a male female box? Um, have you said you are welcome, but then actually in some of your practices, not given welcome. And so that's why we were like, Oh, here's a few things to think of. And actually with my friend's um, kid who is opening up the business, I said, I can hook you up with a trans woman or two to offer them free services. Um, and then because it's free, there's an, there's a negotiated agreement of in exchange for that, I can ask you some questions so then they're not doing free labor. They are getting that in exchange and they're paving a path for, then they can say, yes, this person is safe. And they can go into the trans community and say, and legitimize that person. Because word of mouth in our community reigns oh, supreme. Yeah, definitely. We talk, we find ways, uh, yes. especially when we're looking for things like surgeons, doctors, or people who are going to interact with our bodies on a personal level, yeah. like a massage therapist or someone who's doing electrolysis, you're going to be engaging with a trans person's body on an intimate level. If we don't trust you, you will not have the clientele. You just won't. And so if your business wants the clientele and you have something that, you know, trans people need or want, or it's a resource they, they need to tap into as well, there has to be that symbiotic relationship where you've given some of your service in exchange for, some you know some of your reputation within that community um yeah that's how you that's how you grow your business as a as an actual ally yeah well and i wonder you know you were talking about your your bigger company and the policy that they're trying to write or policies and we've encountered this quite a bit uh recently and you know it's unfortunate that george floyd had to be murdered for people to go oh this is really a problem yeah. uh but people seem to be awake and our job now is to keep them awake. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you can't, you can't write a policy and expect it to just fix uh, something that grew up in systemic oppression. And that's been our, you know, there's such a, a sense of urgency about, we have to address this. There aren't enough black people. There aren't enough gay people. There aren't enough whatever in our organization. And we want to really make it clear that we see that this is important. And, 
I, I want more organizations and more companies to make it clear that they are working toward belonging even. Um, I have an organization that I'm going to start working with that actually is thinking of changing their diversity, equity, and inclusion committee name to div- diversity, equity, and belonging because mm-hmm. they, they said, you know, inclusivity is is pretty white centric and pretty sort of norm centric. And it's like, no, no, you can be in our club. And it's like, no, it's, this is, you don't want to be in our club. Our club sucks. Like the, the white male straight club is not the club that you want to like earn your membership in. Like it's the human club that we want to really create. And, um, but that it doesn't happen fast. It didn't, it didn't happen fast to get where we are now and to dismantle it is really going to take time and money and discomfort and nobody wants to talk about that <laughs> we're actually we're finding that at the university too because you're you're exactly right of talking about like now everyone there's been a seismic change which is fantastic and everyone's talking about decolonizing and decentering and looking around who are the profs and we need to get more profs that are of color and i mean especially in winnipeg we there's a lot of uh need for indigenous professors but the thing is the university has hired a bunch of indigenous profs and they they can't keep them because being a sessional lecturer is a terrible like it's not a sustainable wage and um so indigenous people that are at that academic level are going you know i could teach several units of this intro course where i'm encountering microaggressions all the time or I could be part of this agency where I'm well-paid, I have dental benefits, and I have, I'm have i talking with people where we can go to a deeper place, right? And so that, again, it's, it's not just about getting the bums in spots. It's saying there's a structural reason um, why we are not diverse. And so it's asking these really big questions. Yeah. Yeah, moving away from just checking a box to really advocating and pushing the needle for change. Yeah, what would it look like? And instead of, can you fit into our system? What would we need to do to make it feel like you would want to be here? Um, And probably it would mean more than I would not be the only person of color (laughs) in this agency or, you know, there would be, but but realizing that the, the institutions themselves have to have to be asking some big questions. Yeah, just thinking back to what I was asked about, like, how do you feel like your workplace is with inclusivity? And of course, I could speak my personal point of view about being trans, but what is not my point of view, but was clear as day, is that there was not, there is not enough. Uh, brown, black, Asian people working at my workplace. There just isn't. And uh, I verbalized that and was met with agreement, but with no real uh, solution. And that obviously is not great, but uh, specifically in in the industry that I'm in, which happens to be cannabis, uh, and which is now legal. And it's very interesting that many people are still, of course, in jail or, you know, you know, have charges and therefore could not even get a job in this industry, uh, even though they have a wealth of experience. And so that is a huge. That's opening up cloud. A that very is large. Over, that is over our industry. That is like many people are very aware of. Yeah. And 
it's tough to get the even some of these basic you know corporations that are you know have investors and have hundreds of employees to you know start a campaign or to 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 help fund a campaign to help re- release people with cannabis charges from prison which seems like it would be a great idea um yeah. and so there's just that disconnect uh but i think things are changing because people tend to want to support companies or corporations that they believe are ethical overall the shift is kind of moving to that where if you're not running your entire corporation fairly people don't really want to work with you or buy things from you if they can help it um because we've seen the ultimate examples of that like someone like amazon where you know there's thousands of people that are not being paid fairly, uh, whether it's delivering or, or whatnot. And so at what point is the bottom line more important than a well-rounded and executed company that's in, that is more than inclusive? There's a belonging. There's a culture of just... Yeah. Well, and I th- you know, I, I love that particularly this season on the show almost every episode has gotten what feels far afield from why we've invited the guests to come. And there's no such thing as far afield anymore because you can't be a steward of this part of the community without paying attention to this part of the community. And you can't just choose to be, well, I'm going to be really inclusive of this particular group, but I don't care about the earth or, you know, like, like sort of citizenship on our planet is is a very high engagement activity at this point <laughs> and you can engage or not engage but i don't think you can partly engage and i think your your point about business and we're seeing this in philanthropy and healthcare for sure is that you know even just in the last 6 to 8 months grant applications are highly pri- no matter what kind of money you're applying for for what kind of program highly prioritizing show us how you're engaging with diversity equity and inclusion what what's the makeup of your staff? What is your like? How do you support your community beyond even your specific mission? And that the companies and the nonprofits that are going to survive are the ones who are doing measurable programming and engagement that is impacting lives and sort of making those upstream and long term investments in what's going to make this a more sustainable world. I think I think you're right and as people are seeing all of these intersections, it can feel really overwhelming of, look, look, I've got rid of plastic straws. Isn't that <laughs> enough? And now you're saying trans rights and now this, and I'm usually, you know, the, the big tuba at the party that uh, all these woke people don't really know what to do with people with cognitive disabilities and, uh, and who are nonverbal, right? Because they're, um, they're not the cool kind of, <laughs> personal party right now. And so it's like, right, but how would this work in this way? And so it can become very overwhelming to think of all the things we have to do. And I think when we're still attached to the idea of perfection, of we have to get this right, we will all, we will not survive, right? Because it's not about getting it right, but it is actually being fundamentally transformed, um, both in our institutions and our, our programs, but also our worldview of how and I think that that's what we're kind of in the pangs of right now. Like capitalism isn't, it's not gonna, it's gonna, it can't stretch and accommodate all of this, 
No. There has to be a seismic change to match all of these people who are now saying, I would like a place at the table. And it's so exciting, but it's also a wild chaotic time. Like it will be very interesting to see what happens during this time, because it's asking for us even not just to do it right, but it's asking us to be different people and to see the world differently. Yes. Yeah. And to create a world that's never existed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't have like, a, Oh, if only it could be like when yeah, it's not a days. <laughs> <laughs> right. For right. whom? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's always, you know, we say, oh, I, you know, I miss the, I, I'm reading this book right now um, called Confederates in the Attic. And um, I could do a whole episode just on this show, but, or on this book, but he, you know, he talks about going to, he basically tours the major battles of the Civil War. He goes through the U.S. and goes to these cities and he talks with people who are sort of under the impression that it's just halftime of the Civil War, essentially, and that, um, you know, are really keeping the Civil War alive in all kinds of different ways. And that, you know, there are these women who go to these reenacting events and various things, and and that many of them will say, you know, I, I, I want to go back to when men were men and women were women. And I'm like, why would we do that? And when was that ever? What you want to do is go back to the time when people who weren't men or women were marginalized and harmed and ignored. And um, you didn't notice it because you happened to fit the acceptable. But I think when people say they want to go back to when things were simpler, what they want to go back to is when you could oppress without being pushed back against. Or I want to go back to the time where I didn't realize that this was oppression and it didn't hurt. (laughs) I wasn't responsible for it. (laughs) We are, we're actively calling people to be uncomfortable and to address their cognitive dissonance between their own comfort and people's human needs right in their face. And we'll make progress because we are, but it's going to take a lot of people being uncomfortable. And for all of us who have been uncomfortable for a while, that's not a whole lot to ask. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's very, uh, it's a spitting image of the times Who's wearing a mask? Who's who's not? Who's willing to embrace a little bit of discomfort for the majority? And who yeah. who is flying in the face of that, saying, "I don't care." Yeah, it doesn't I, affect. I don't me. care. It's making me, inco- you know, it's weird. It's it's bringing out something in us that I think is being called. Like, yeah. um, I think at the beginning of COVID, I realized. Um, how much of, like, I think going through my son's diagnosis process and then going, oh, I don't have as much control as I thought I did. And I'm not going to fit the storybook line. Um, and and I'm, I want to be out with my friends, but in fact, I'm quite socially isolated because it's just easier for us to be home most of the time. Those were a lot of griefs that I had um, when our family was forming you know, when we were all young. Um, And when COVID happened and people were expressing their grief, it was actually very affirming for me of like, yeah, it's so hard to give up the illusion of control. And it's so hard to not have everything that you want. And, And I feel that. And I felt that there was something wrong with me when I was going through that of like, but look at how wonderful your family is. Look at all of this. And it's like, yes, I'm grateful for everyone. And I just need a moment to grieve 
that this isn't going. And I feel like culturally we're going through that, but there's so many people and they're in the throes of, but I really, really want to believe that I have control. They're, yeah, and I resistant to the grief, resistant to the illusion of control. And, and that and sense of, well, life, you know, you don't get to go out as much as you, as you wanted to. How do you find beauty in this moment? And who is there to connect with? You know, your neighbors, like, you might not have anything to do with them, but like you put your lawn chairs in the yard and, and have a conversation just because they are there. They might not be your chosen people. Um, so I found so much belonging in Special Olympics. And those are not the people I thought would be my friendship group, but um, they are very fast. We're in the track and field club. We were before COVID. They've taught me how to run. They are my buds just because those are the people that were available to me. And that's where I found friendship. Um, and so I think that we're in the middle of that as a population, but it just feels like that illusion is still so attainable. Yeah. Um, but if we can get over this hump and go, oh, but we're being asked to live a different life and in the world will be different. Uh, how do we participate in that and say, there's still beauty though. Yeah. And you get people like this to join your family. That's right. I never exactly. would if otherwise. I would have I yeah. would have had such a harder time when my other child um, it came out as non-binary. But I, the gift of Noah for me was, oh yeah, we don't know the playbook and um, and what does it mean to be human or what does it mean to be in relationship? Um, all of those things kind of were just allowed me to receive the people that that I have and celebrate them. So. Yeah. He doesn't like it when I start talking about. Well, no, it's true. Like, <laughs> uh, the queer community is no. Uh, we're familiar with chosen family, the idea Absolutely. of chosen family or loving those uh, outside of your immediate circle. Um, mm -hmm. That's what we're being called to do right now. Like, you know, if you see someone on the street, uh, I'm giving them a wave. Like the little human interactions just like can't get enough of it can't get enough of it yeah. um and learning to appreciate that and i think that's what i think that's what we're being called to do at this time is to care for one another and yeah. this is bigger than ourselves yeah uh and that we need to collectively come together but the, again the people that have been outliers have known that for a long time yeah, and this so, is not new for not new but for I anyone think, in this circle probably yeah which is right. makes sense that we'd be right. like spearheading kind of these conversations uh absolutely for the long-term change to really happen yeah 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 because so i recognize this is not new for either of you either and you have lived experience that takes you to that gives you a different viewpoint and that viewpoint is so valuable um and it's uh we are we are poor when we lose those, those other voices, right? It's not, it's a simpler time, but it's, uh, we're lacking so much. It's a 2D time. Yeah, yeah we definitely, we could, well, there are many more dimensions that um, will, will reveal beauty we didn't even know was yeah. there. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think my biggest challenge, and I imagine that everyone um, in this conversation uh, right now, it shares the sense of, I forget sometimes that I have so expanded my capacity for discomfort that it mm. makes me impatient with people who want to move away from it. And I have to remember that if you are in the majority in any of the millions of categories, that it's harder to 
move into this place where you're in sort of steady discomfort and, and your, your brain says something's wrong. And it's like, no, no, something is wrong, but not inside you. It's, you know, <laughs> there's a exactly. lot wrong out. Your discomfort says that you're headed in the right direction. Just stay with it. I think that's such a, that's such an insightful word of, uh, uh, it's so easy to lose patience for people, but it's like, they just started this journey the last year and, and we have been practicing this already for decades. And so of course our muscles, our muscles are used to this. We know that there is a different way of holding these things of just like, right. It's not exactly what we thought. And, uh, and it's not bad. And so, yeah, we need to, to, that just helps me remember that we need to give space for people to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. And finding the balance between holding people accountable yeah. and being aware that, you know, they're, they're doing their best in most cases they are doing their best. Yeah. It's sometimes that is sometimes a refrain that I have. This is a person who's doing their best and it's like, I am shocked. I am shocked that this is their best, but your best. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a great best. I will say that. This is not <laughs> <laughs> to say, oh. I understand how scary it is. I understand how much you want to feel in uh, powerful. I get it. But like, yeah, it is the awakening. Yes. Well, thank you guys so much for being with us. What, I mean, I'm sure you could share hours more of wisdom with us. What, what didn't you get to say that you feel like our listeners should hear before we uh, part ways today? Wow. I think, I mean, I think that everyone listening to this probably already knows this. So I hope it's an affirmation for people that uh, you know this. And um, and so here's just more voices adding to it. And so my hope would be that there would be someone that's maybe sitting next to you that wouldn't have listened to it that is on part or just seeing that the people that are listening to this, the more that you give voice to your experience and your changing worldview, that really is a gift for the people around you. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Um, I I've just been publicly affirmed by Roe. I just want that on the record book. Excellent. We will put it in your chart. <laughs> yes. Give me a giant gold star. Okay. <laughs> Word of wisdom from you. There's a there's there's something that I I, I say often. So Kaylin addressed the people who are listening who probably already know the things we're talking about. Well, let's say that there's someone listening where this is kind of newer. Um, this is about retraining your brain. It's not going to come overnight. It never does. Just like if you're using new pronouns for someone, you might make a mistake because it's so ingrained in your brain that you need to retrain it. So be easy on yourself. Know that it's going to take some time for you to maybe start learning some of this language or to start moving into that uncomfortable space. Um, that's okay. You're doing great. And I would say educate yourself. We've been talking about that too. You've already started educating yourself by listening to this podcast. And if you have any further questions or things that piqued your interest, go follow up. Go find a trans woman online and 
hear her point of view. Um, you know, go go listen to the the actual voices of the folks that you you want to help, um, and then just continue to be uh, the best ally you can, I guess. And um, I think retraining your brain is just such a big part of that for for folks who feel like this is so new to them or so outside of their realm. Um, mm-hmm. it's possible. It's- it is possible to, to get there even on a personal level, uh, you know, with, with parents, right. If your parents, you come out to your parents and they're not, they're not on board right away, uh, in time and with practice, uh, things will change. I, I'm proof of that. It, it, it will happen. So just got to keep, yeah. keep at it. Keep practicing without focusing on it. You don't have to get there. The, the, the there will keep moving. Yeah. So just keep practicing. That's right. Yeah. Just get, yeah. The there will keep moving. So it'll be in them there hills. Yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> I think as long as you're trying your best, no one's out here to cancel you. you well, know? some, I mean, like, yeah, there's cancel culture, but also like I'm for improvement culture. Like, yeah. yes. Totally. Move it along, progress culture. Not, you know, you only get canceled if I, you know, you're not redeemable. <laughs> that's right, and that's tough to do. That's yeah, tough, tough to, to do. Be yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, thank, thank you. you guys so much. Absolutely, Kathy. Any wisdom? Any questions? Any anything? No, I'm just always grateful to be a part of this podcast because it helps me to move it along. Absolutely. Well, and we push that veil. That's right. (laughs) That's right. We encourage you all to uh, join Heal Well in October for our Just Care Social Justice and Healthcare Conference. We'll have folks talking about incarceration as chronic illness, uh, disability access, Indigenous healthcare, healthcare for aging lesbians, uh, body positivity, and how it's a bunch of crap. Uh, all kinds of stuff. So uh, come join us. The the link to registration will be in the show notes. Uh, thanks so much for being with us for another episode of Interdisciplinary. Go like us and share us and leave us some comments and stars and whatnot. And uh, we'll see you in your big hearts next week. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Interdisciplinary is produced by Healwell. Our theme music is by Harry Pickens. You can send us feedback at info at healwell.org. That's info at healwell.org. New episodes will be posted weekly via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our Facebook page. Thank you.